You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. This is the narrow way, folks. This is the narrowest of way. And you may think, well, that's narrow-minded. Thank you very much. I don't mind being narrow-minded about this. This is a non-negotiable. Many, many things in the Bible we negotiate about. Yeah, like I said, born of the Spirit, born of the water, all these different things. Who cares? This is a non-negotiable. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. Not all roads lead to heaven. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches you that there aren't many ways to heaven. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through believing in Jesus Christ. Pastor Dave encourages you to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. He's your path to eternal life. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 3, as he continues his message, Born from Above. You are sure. Some today still don't understand what Jesus was talking about. They will say to you, it's my heritage or my church affiliation. After all, I'm Catholic. After all, I go to Calvary Chapel. I was baptized as a child. I pay my tithes. I pray. I do all these good things. And they're good things, being a member of the church, praising God, doing these things are good things. But in and of themselves, they will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. It will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it plainly. You cannot say it any more plain. You must be born again. Poor Nicodemus's mind's like, boop, boop, boop. It's on tilt. It's on overload. Ah, you know, most Jews at this time are looking for a Messiah to bring in a new world. That's true. But the new world that this Messiah would bring, bring in would place the Jews in prominence. Jesus didn't come to start a new world. He came to give you new life. And in that new life, he would be prominent. He was going to be the prominent one. So Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, Nicodemus, I got a lot of explaining to do. So he starts in verse 5, and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He's emphatic in saying that this man does not need a reformation. What is a reformation? This this man does not need a change in the way Israel worships. They don't need a change in the way they do things. They don't need to get it right. What they need is a radical conversion. They need a radical conversion by the Spirit of God. You must be born of water and of spirit. What does being born of water mean? What does being born of water mean? Now, I'm sure you all have your own ideas, and I think that's okay. It's great. I have a bunch of ideas, too. We know from John 3.10 that whatever being born of water is, it should have been familiar to Nicodemus in the Old Testament because he says, you're a teacher of the law. You don't know this. So it should have been familiar. But like many other things concerning the Bible, there are many theories. There are many, many theories. Some think 
that born of the water means being baptized. Water may here represent baptism, but there's real, no real Old Testament foundation for this. In fact, I'll go on to say that you don't have to be baptized to be born again. If you are born again, you want to be baptized. It's an outward expression of what happened inside, an outward expression of what happens inside. Some thought that the born again, born by water, refers to this physical birth. And this seems right, because we're all born from a sack of water in our mother's womb, right? It's, it's very attractive, but it, it kind of states the obvious. However, it does make a good parallel when you look at John 3, 6, when he saw that which is born of flesh is of flesh. It's a, it's a good fix. Some think the born of water means to be born again by the word of God. And in other passages of Scripture, water represents the word. Like we're washed by the water of the word in Ephesians 5, 26. Some think that being born of water means to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. It's the living water John talked about in John 7. Some believe that to be true. Some have thought that the water means to receive the water of cleansing, which Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel 36. We talked about it last week, part of the new covenant. If you want to believe that it refers to water baptisms, you're welcome to do it. If you want to believe that it is referring to being born by the word of God, you're welcome. If you want to believe that it be born of the flesh, you're welcome. You can take whatever position you want to take. It doesn't bother your relationship with God one iota. But what do we know? What do we know about it? What do we know about this, being born of water and the Spirit? It's a new birth. We know that. We know that the new birth takes care of the past, the present, and the future. We know that. The new birth is a divine change in a person's life from the inside out. The new heart we talked about last week. And being born again, you may look the same on the outside, but inside, something happens. Something happens within. After the rebirth, a new life starts to well up inside you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things are new. All things become new. This is the new birth. A new birth causes you to think differently. You begin to think differently. You begin to act differently. Your priorities are now different. You have thoughts of God in your life, thoughts of wanting to know God, thoughts of wanting to serve him, thoughts of fellowshipping with others, and thoughts of showing God's love to other people and witnessing God's love. All these thoughts come out from being born again. But God requires holiness, doesn't he? Be ye holy as your Father in heaven is holy. God requires holiness. And during the old birth, we were born into sin. That old Adam. I wonder how many people are going to give Adam what for when they see him up in heaven. We were born into sin. Sin was our nature. Our hearts were deceitfully wicked. Being born from above, we get the new heart, the transplanted heart. We become a new person. We become one born of the Spirit. Jesus continued and said, that which is, in number six, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Without the new birth of the Spirit, all the works of righteousness will be tainted by the flesh. Isaiah says something about our righteousness in the flesh. They are as filthy rags. The righteousness in the flesh are as filthy rags. We do know that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We were all born once, naturally, of the flesh. When you were born, you were not a child of God by natural birth. You don't become a child of God by your natural birth. You are a child of God by your spiritual birth. That's when you become a child of God. 
Paul the Apostle, talking about your life before Christ, said, And you hath he made alive, who were once dead in trespasses and sins, who in times past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, but even now works in the children of disobedience, among whom all were once lived, according to the lust of the mind, lust of the flesh. And you were by nature children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. We didn't read verse 4, but verse 4 begins, but God, but God in his mercy and grace changed all that. We were not once children of God. Instead, we were children of wrath. It's only by the new birth that I become a child of God. Only by the new birth that I become a child of God. I can't earn my way there. I can't get in by my great looks. I can't get in because I go to a certain church. I can't get in because I'm the biggest tither and money giver of that church. I can't be, get in because of my heritage. I can't get in because my mom and dad were Christian. Would that it were so. But I can't. I must be born again. You must be born again. Each person in the entire world must be born again. Must. So that which is born of flesh is flesh. A person apart from the new birth, their life is now dominated by the flesh and the fleshly desires. His body rules over his soul and his spirit. In fact, if you're not born again, your spirit is dead. Your spirit is dead within you. That's what comes alive when a person is born again. The spiritual birth, the spirit comes alive. Prior to that, I'm living flesh after flesh, and my mind is dominated by the flesh. And so I have the scripture terms in mind of the flesh, which is death. My chief concern is what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear. My chief concern is me. How does everything affect me? My fleshly needs, my body needs, these are the things that occupy my mind. That's flesh upon flesh. But when a person is born of the Spirit, that which is Spirit is Spirit. Then the Spirit becomes alive and begins to rule within my life. And now my mind is occupied with the things of the Spirit and how I might please God how I might worship him, how I might open up my life and my heart to the things of God and to his spirit and how things that dominate my mind, whatever things are pure, whatever things are noteworthy, whatever things are great, all that things in Philippians 4.8, that beautiful chapter, meditate on these things. These things fill my heart. They fill my mind because I'm new. I'm now a child of God. I've been born again. I open up my life and my heart to the things of God and the things of his spirit. And now these things dominate my mind. My mind is dominated by the Spirit, and it's called having the mind of the Spirit. And the mind of the Spirit is life and peace and joy, all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I have that. There must have been a strange look in Nicodemus' eyes. He must have gone like, what? You know, feel like it's the old rerun in, in what's happening. Say what? What? Because Jesus says to him in verse 7, do you marvel that I said to you, you must be born again? Nicodemus might be like, yo, what? Why did he marvel at this statement? I said because like all the Jews of his time, they believed that they were already inner-transformed because of the new covenant. They believed they had it made because of their heritage to Abraham. Jesus wants to take hold of the fact and that he does not have it. Nicodemus, you don't have it. You don't have it. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Understand what I'm saying to you. You must be born again. Going to church, being a member of the church, praying, tithing, 
giving offerings, being baptized, helping and giving the poor, being a good person, all these things which are great in and of themselves, you don't have it. You don't have it. You must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus gives this example of the spirit, the wind. The wind has always been associated with the spirit in Scripture. In verse 8, he says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but it cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. Jesus' idea to Nicodemus said, listen, listen, you don't understand where the wind comes from. You don't understand where it goes. You see its effect, but that's how it is with the birth of the spirit. Jesus wanted Nicodemus to know that he didn't have to understand. He didn't have to understand everything about the new birth before he experienced it. He had to believe and accept it by faith. Had to believe and accept it by faith. And then God will show you and lead you and guide you and bring you into his truth by his Holy Spirit. There's that mysterious working of God's Spirit within our lives that we really can't fully comprehend. We really can't understand it. We know it. We see the effects of it. We see the evidence. Some of you said, oh, you can see the wind. Well, how can you see the wind? Oh, look out there. The trees are moving. No, you see the effect of the wind. You don't see the wind itself. You may see dirt carried by the wind. You may see other things, waves pumped up by the wind, but you don't see the wind itself. You may even feel the wind on your cheek, the effect of the wind, but you don't see the wind. I can see the results of the Spirit. I believe it. I know that the Spirit exists. I've seen him. at work in people's life. I've never seen him physically, but I see him at work in people's lives. I see the effect that he has. It's obvious. And so those who are born of the Spirit, there's that mystical work of God in the Spirit within them, and I can recognize that. I can see it. I can feel it. I can see the work of God's Spirit within myself. I see what I used to be, and I see the transformation of now who I am. I see what I was, and I see what I am now. And I have a glimpse and a hope of what will yet be. I'm not perfect. Far from it. But God's doing a work by his spirit within me. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does in you is transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. He works from within and comes out. He works mightily within if you submit to him and allow him to do it. I know the spirit's at work in my heart. I see what he's doing. And I see what he's doing in your lives. I see how he's manifested his love in your lives and how we love each other. That's a, that's a spiritual thing. You must be born again. Why are these words so offensive to many? I used to have a dear friend that I worked with in Colorado long before I became a Christian, and we used to think it was really funny because he had a great big sign on his door that basically said, if you're selling something or giving something away, or if you're a Jehovah's Witness, or if you're one of those born-againers, don't knock. We used to laugh. Why is it so offensive when we say the word born again? People's, well, you talk about the hair going up in the back of their neck. You're one of those born-againers? Well, yes, I'm following Jesus' command that said you must be born again. You believe in Jesus, don't you? Oh, Oh, yeah. And you're not born again? Oh, no. Jesus is emphatic about this. He's emphatic about this command. The word must is one of those words that you have to pay careful, careful attention to because there you're coming to the heart of the issue when a person says, I must. I must do this. 
I must. Well, this is what God's saying. You must. You must be born again. He wants you to listen to this. There is no one who will enter the kingdom of heaven who is not born again. No one. No one. Let me repeat that. No one will enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. There is only one way to heaven. Only one way. And that is through Jesus Christ and him alone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' very words, John 14, 6. But what about these people who never heard the word? There is only one way to get to heaven. It's Jesus Christ. Some way, somehow, they will see nature. They will see that there is a God, and God will reveal to him his son. And they will know, or they should have known, or they could have known. But there is only one way. To say that God is going to do this for other people, guess what? You're creating another way. Can't do that. Sorry. Can't do that. It would be easy, but then there would be multiple ways. And then we would have the slogan, all roads lead to heaven. Now I'm sorry. The wide road leads to destruction. The narrow road leads to heaven. This is the narrow way, folks. This is the narrowest of way. And you may think, well, that's narrow-minded. Thank you very much. I don't mind being narrow-minded about this. This is a non-negotiable. Many, many things in the Bible we negotiate about. Yeah, like I said, born of the Spirit, born of the water, all these different things. Who cares? This is a non-negotiable. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. You cannot come to the kingdom apart from being born again. It's God's divine imperative for any man, any man. You must be born of the Spirit. When John opened his glorious gospel, we studied it, looked at it, John 1, verse 12 and 13. He says this, but as many as received him, the word became flesh. As many as received him, the word, Jesus is the word. To them, he gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You want to be considered a child of God? You must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again. We cannot forget to whom Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying this to Nicodemus, a religious leader of Pharisee, and by all outward appearances, he was already transformed into the, the, the Son of God. He was already transformed that way because that's what the Pharisees wanted you to see. They were all about the show. They were all about what they looked like on the outside. They were like whitewashed sepulchers, Jesus says. Right before the feast day, they would go out and they would paint all the tombs white. All the tombs bright white so people wouldn't notice them and know that inside are dead man's bones. He said, Pharisees, woe to you, hypocrites. You are whitewashed sepulchers. You're dead on the inside. Dead. You look pretty good outside. He was talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Jesus said of the Pharisees, said to his disciples, to the crowd, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Look at them. Look at the Pharisees. The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was impressive when you looked at them. When you looked at them, they were impressive with their long flowing robes and they used to stand on the corner and they used to pray with their hands up so everybody would see them. They would just shout at the rooftop, thank you, Lord, for not making me like that guy over there. 
they would get their coin out and they would look at everybody and go, I'm now giving tithe. And they would drop it in the box. Oh, yeah, Pharisees. Ceremonial washing in front of everybody. They look great on the outside. They look fantastic on the outside. But they were dead inside. They were dead inside. Because their righteousness was like filthy rags. They were dead. I pray with all my heart that that's not you. I pray with all my heart that that is not you sitting here before me today. Because may I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you look marvelous. You guys look marvelous. You really, really do. You look marvelous. And I love each and every one of you. But I want you to know that if you haven't taken the step to be born again, my heart is broken for you because you are a whitewashed sepulcher. You look beautiful on the outside, but inside you are full of dead man's bones. And my heart aches if that's you. My heart aches if that is you because you are missing out on such a wonderful experience. Two times he said it. Two times he said it's the Nicodemus. Two times. Verse 3 and again in verse 7. You must be born again. How many times does our Lord have to say it before it registers in our little brains and before we act upon it? You may be doing all the things to serve him. You may be doing all the wonderful things with your neighbor, taking this, doing that. But are you born again? Peter calls it a living hope. Are you born again into a living hope by an incorruptible seed? A living hope. Jesus says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, if Nicodemus heard the words, you must be born again, and Jesus was talking to him, what about you and me? What about us? I don't see any Pharisees in here, I hope. I just see some regular folk. What about you? I look around the room, and I see people I could tell you, man, they're born again. I know it. I see it. But I have to admit, there are some of you want to look around the room. I'm not as sure. I'm not as sure because I'm looking with human eyes. I'm trying to get my spiritual on here, guys. I'm trying to get my spiritual on, trying to look into your hearts with spiritual eyes, but I don't have the heart and eyes of Jesus. I can't look into your heart. Jesus already knows whether you've accepted him or whether you have not. He knows that the profession of faith that you made, whenever it was, if it was real or if it was not, he knows. It's between you and him. You can fool me all that you want. I wish that you wouldn't, but you can. It's between you and him. Who do you say Jesus is? It's time to answer the question. And I pray that you have. If you haven't, I'm going to give you a chance to right now. I'm going to give you a chance to right now. Now, whether you raise your hand or whether you come forward, it doesn't matter. But you need to make a profession of faith in front of people. If you confess before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. Jesus' own words. Jesus is telling us today we must be born again. We must be born again. These aren't my words. These are Christ's words. They're his words. You are a sure
The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.